We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Baseball is back, kind of. I mean, it is back. It's back. Spring training. Well, but it doesn't feel back if you're in Ohio and they get to enjoy the Arizona sun and I don't get to see meaningful games for another two months. Although no, it's not like I'm poo-pooing it. I'm very excited. Although they're just down there stretching right now, I don't know that you can say baseball's back either. So. <laughs> the wall was. <laughs> Worry about stretching? Sorry, got to go Bob Wiley. Anytime somebody says stretching. Said hut. <laughs> no, it's more of a hut. You got to get the, it's a guttural I, thing. I, I, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, you, you can. Yes, you're right. I can. Damn right I can. <laughs> and uh, I can go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and welcome on uh, Guardians play-by-play man for Bally Sports, the legendary Matt Underwood joins us. Welcome to the show, Matt. Well, thanks for having me, guys. How are you today? Uh, doing really well here. Uh, we've uh, we've argued about sports, and now we get to talk about baseball. <laughs> what more could I ask for? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's just another day in America, right? Let's go. Is it warmer down there now? I know last year was a whole lot of fun in uh, Arizona. Is the weather better this year so far? You know, I will let you know tomorrow. Okay. I uh, I will be arriving tomorrow morning, and uh, and then uh, next Saturday we will have our first uh, telecast uh, on on the Valley Sports Great Lakes as the uh, Guardians get the Cactus League schedule underway against the Cincinnati Reds. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to get to AZ and you know, see how Stephen Vogt puts together his first major league ball club. So what billionaire or performing artist uh, private jet are you flying to Goodyear on? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's one of those big, big common carriers, you know. Oh, you're not taking uh, the uh, the Guardians prop plane for major league? Yeah, no, that, that was, <laughs> that's been retired. That's been retired. I hope anyway. <laughs> it sounds like Jeff Bezos is to me, but you know, keep it on the down low. I like what you're doing there, Matt. Um, so obviously, this year there's a changing of of the guard. Tito retires. Uh, it's Stephen Vogt's uh, first opportunity to run run spring training. Where's when we, when we start thinking about that adjustment, going from bullpen coach player to now being the manager? What do you think the biggest area of adjustment for a first time manager like Stephen Vogt is? You know what? I really. You know, I, I just think it's all the stuff that you don't really consider when you take the job, right? When you take the job, I think you think about, you know, how do I manage the game? Well, he's done that his whole career as a catcher. So I think that's going to come second nature to him. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think, you know, handling a pitching staff, that's unique because, you know, you, you've got to know who's up, who's down. Again, he had his hand in that as a catcher, so he kind of gets a feel for that. And he's got – He's got a couple of great stewards that are going to help him through that. I mean, Carl Willis uh, has been a longtime pitching coach, so that's a great guy to be able to uh, to lean on. Uh, all he's got Sandy Alomar. You know, that's a that's a veteran voice uh, that's nice to have. I think it's all the other things, though. You know, it's the the media availability before the game, after the game. It's the front office. Uh, you know, and this guy needs five minutes. This guy needs five minutes trying to allocate all of your time during the day so that when it comes game time, the one thing Tito was great at is that, you know, he blocked out a certain amount of time. I think it was like 45 minutes to an hour. You'd see him in the dugout by himself mostly. 
And that was his time to prep, get ready, start visualizing, trying to think about moves that he might have to make, you know, who's up, who's down, that kind of thing. So, you know, just getting all the stuff out of the way so that when it comes game time, votes ready to go, that'll be, I think, just one of the challenges that you just don't think about having to clear your mind, clear your schedule so that you're ready come game time. Yeah, when you talk about challenges as a first-time manager, Matt, uh, obviously the you know the challenges of uh, you know managing a ball club uh, like Cleveland. I mean, he's not managing the Red Sox or, or the Yankees with with endless resources, and he's going to have to work hand in hand with the front office and things like that. Just how do you think that dynamic uh, changes or shifts or adjusts from you know you know having a guy like Tito who's won a World Series and. Uh, you know, he can push back maybe on something that he doesn't like uh, from the front office or whatever to, you know, vote now and, uh, you know, being in that chair and having that uh, collaboration, if you will. Daryl, the short answer is we don't know until we see how this plays out. The, the long answer is they picked him for a reason. I mean, he stood out to them when they talked to him. Uh, there was some understanding. There was some collaboration uh, that they saw or could foresee. Uh, I think, I think Stevens, is, look, he's a former catcher. So again, from, from a standpoint of running the game, he gets all that. That's, that's checked off the list. That's an important one, but that's checked off the list. Then it comes down to, can he communicate with the players? And I think throughout his career as a player, he showed that ability. He was very well liked, very well respected in every clubhouse that, that he was in. And so now the next big challenges how does he take all of that and work in collaboration with a front office so these aren't guys in the trenches with you these aren't guys that you know are taking at bats or, or making plays or you know making big pitches these are guys who sit above and kind of control everything from a standpoint of roster uh, budget all those other things but you have to be on the same page with them if that's if that's a contentious relationship it won't work because it won't last uh, if it's collaborative but sometimes you butt heads that's okay that's healthy and I think that's what uh, hopefully we will see grow over time Matt Underwood on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline uh, this is probably the most stunted baseball offseason that I can remember uh, the Dodgers spent a billion dollars and I would be surprised <laughs> if everybody else combined spent 250 million dollars in baseball so I am curious like you know is this because you know, we tend to think, all right, the Guardians are going to do their work in December, January, and, and, and that's it. And then the, we'll kind of see where the roster is in July. Do you think there's still time to consider deals for guys like Shane Bieber and Emmanuel Classe who have kind of headlined the available players or, 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 sorry, the players that other teams have been calling about all winter long? I would, I would highly, uh, I'd say it's highly unlikely that you would see any trades I mean, unless something just really – somebody coming in and just called you up and blew you out of the water. I mean, I just don't think teams go to spring training thinking with that mindset. You just laid it out perfectly, Nick. You talk about the off season. You get into November, you get through the World Series, teams start, okay, what do we do? How can we make our team better? You know, we've got free agency, but what kind of trades can we go out and make? Now it's all focused on, all right, who's going to make our club? Who's on our roster? Who are depth guys? Now, if you suffer a catastrophic injury, which it happens, it happens in spring training sometimes, then that could accelerate trade talks and somebody swings and move. I think the more likely scenario between now and opening day 
is what free agents are still laying in the weeds out there that after a couple of weeks, somebody might say, Hey, you know what? We could still go get so-and-so. Um, you know, I know there's some guys out there. I, I haven't checked, you know, the latest 48 hours, but I, I think that's a, probably a more likely scenario. You may see some veteran free agents that are still out there looking for a job. They might trickle into camp here in the next couple of weeks. Matt, what are you going to be watching for when you do get to Arizona? I think most importantly is, uh, you know, the, the young outfielders. I mean, and, and then some of the young infielders too. But I, I think, um, you know, like Kyle Manzardo, first base, DH, I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, how, how does he look on a big league field? How does he look? Does he fill up the batter's box? Does the, you know, what's his swing look like? I'm anxious to see it in person. Uh, I'm also excited to see some of the outfielders like Estevion Florial, who came over from the Yankees, uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, who's come up through the organization, George Valera, uh, who's a guy that, you know, people are excited about as well. So, you know, I think you're always excited to, to go into spring training um, to see guys battle. I mean, we all expect Gabriel Arias will probably be the leading candidate to win the shortstop job, but don't sleep on Brian Rocchio. Uh, Tyler Freeman's going to be in there giving him a push. Uh, and, and there's going to be some other guys that maybe we don't even see coming that, that just jump out and really um, make an impression on the manager, the front office, the coaching staff. And maybe they don't make the club out of spring training, but down the road, uh, you know, they find their way onto the big league ball club. Look, we, we all focus too much on what happens and maybe doesn't happen in spring training because we know the roster is going to turn over and change throughout the course of the season based on injuries or just performance. Matt, Stephen Kwan was electric two years ago. His sophomore year, there was a dip in numbers. It's not as if the man wasn't worthy of playing every day, but especially because he sits atop the lineup, the importance of Stephen Kwan. So I'm just curious, philosophically, do the Guardians, is there is there a thought that this was about the pressure those guys felt last year and maybe giving into that pressure of, of trying to get runs going? Or is that just kind of maybe the sophomore slump, if we want to call it that, for Stephen Kwan? Yeah, I think part of it's just the, you know, the ups and downs and growing and learning. I think last year there was a point, especially early in the season, I remember uh, there was a conversation between uh, Stephen and Terry Francona, and, and Tito basically wanted him to say, wanted him to know, look, I know you're going through a tough time right now, but you're my leadoff guy. I'm not going to jerk you out of the lineup. I'm not going to drop you down to seventh. I'm not taking you out of left field. Just go play. And, and it gave him the kind of confidence that, you know, hey, look, I don't care what kind of a rookie season you have until you're really established three, four years in the league. You're going to be looking over your shoulder if you suddenly are one for your last 10 or, you know, put up a two for 20 stretch. And so I think, I think that was good for Quan, and I think, he's, uh, I think he's going to continue to grow. I think, you know, Rick Manning felt like last year there was there's still – this isn't – we haven't seen the best of Stephen Kwan. There's, there's room to grow for him offensively, and I think that uh, – I think he's a good guy in that leadoff spot. I mean, he's tough to strike out. He, he works the count. He does a lot of the things that you like to see an old-school leadoff-type hitter do. Matt, one of the things that has just impressed me is from a consistency level is the young arms the Guardians just seem to crank out. It reminds me of the 90s, right? Albert Bell would leave, and there are like four hitters in the minor leagues ready to come up and and take his place. They turned out hitters. Now it's the other way around. They're turning out these these pitchers left and right. Just what's your take and, and thoughts on uh, some of the young arms that are you know coming back in their sophomore uh, seasons, you know, Bybee was really great in my view. 
in the time that we got to see him, but just where are you at with some of these young arms and your expectations? There's a, there's a level of excitement, no doubt, from what you saw last year. There's also tempered enthusiasm because we know that the game, it, it, it will correct itself. You know, sometimes a guy comes out, lights people up, uh, they make the adjustment, and maybe that guy's slow to make the counter-adjustment back again. We, we will see. Look, Tanner Bybee was, I mean, he was outstanding last year. Um, he was so much fun to watch just because he would go out and you could see the competitive fire that, that you know, burned inside of him. And then, you know, big Gavin Williams, I mean, my goodness, you, you can't teach what he does with that high 90s fastball, that kind of velocity. I think he'll work hard to you know, be better with his command on that fastball so that his secondary stuff will play up. Um, you know, I think that also, um, you know, I'm excited to see what else they have. And you talked about the farm system seems to be able to pump these guys, uh, you know, into the big leagues year in and year out. You've got uh, uh, Joey Cantalo, who's a guy that we've seen in the minor leagues, and he's kind of made his way up the ladder. So this is a spring training where maybe he can go out there uh, and, and show some people. But But I think also – you know, I think the bullpen, it, it, year in and year out, the bullpen gets more important, right? You hear it every year. I, you know, if you don't have a good bullpen, you don't have a chance. And I think last year with the injuries, they had to lean on the bullpen maybe more than, than the average team. And, and also because the offense didn't score a ton of runs, that bullpen was countered to hold, you know, a two-to-one lead, a three-to-two lead time and time again. And so I think that will probably be – an area of focus for me, who's going to round out that bullpen? Who are the arms? Uh, You know, is it going to be the same guys? Obviously Scott Barlow's a newcomer that came over from Kansas city. We know he has closer experience, so that'll help uh, Emmanuel Classe in the back end. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that that have had success, but let's see, you know, can they take that and really run with it? Like Sam Henches. I love Sam Henches, big left-hander. You know, that he's got the power arm. I want to see him make that big quantum leap forward so that he's a guy that when he comes into the game in the seventh inning, you're, you're not the other teams, all, you know, they're slumping their shoulders going, oh, no, not this guy again. So those are the guys I'm excited to see. Can they take that big move forward to make this bullpen a lockdown bullpen? Matt, we've heard some promising velocity numbers on Shane Bieber on that first session. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just curious, how does – Shane Bieber returning to form from a few years ago. How does that change the math for this year, both for the rotation and just, you know, the, the, trying to contend in the central? Yeah, not not just him, too, but, but Tristan McKenzie. Uh, you know, those two guys, to me, are, are really very important to this rotation. If those guys, you know, look, we, you'd love to say, hey, they're going to make 30 starts. If, if they do that, then this team's in really good position, I think. Um and so that's that's the hope is that Bieber is healthy and he's uh, the leader of the rotation and that Tristan McKenzie is healthy and he's he's not having to worry about you know the injuries that sidelined him and really just tore up his last uh, season because you know two years ago Tristan was just he just felt like man the, the sky's the limit for this guy so both of those guys really important if they're healthy and they're pitching well then then that just that. That takes all the pressure. I shouldn't say all, but it takes some of the, the pressure off Bybee and Gavin Williams. Last year, you were counting on those guys to go out and pitch well to give you a chance to win uh, as rookies. So if you've got a couple of veterans that can go out there and set the tone, 
then I think then you've got a very, very good-looking starting rotation. Last one for you, Matt. we got about another minute left. Um, we got the news yesterday. Rob Manfred uh, let the choirs of angels start singing. He's going to uh, be done in 2029, which can't get here fast enough. But if I were to make you a commissioner of Major League Baseball, what would you do to move the game forward or make it better? Yeah, I I have to say I, I really was a fan of the time elements that they put into play last year. I thought they cut some of the fat. I thought that was all good. That was all positive. Uh, I mean, I've never really thought about this because nobody's ever going to make me commissioner for a day. But I, I just did the silly, the, the silly extra inning thing. Is like, come on, let you know, let's just play the game the way it's always. I don't. I'm not a big fan of putting a runner at second base. Uh, I think it changes too much of the game. I'm all in favor of the you know keeping players healthy. Uh, I think dropping a leg in front of second base, that's a good rule to get rid of that. that. That's, you know, we saw too many guys get, you know, running in there, jamming hands into somebody's knee. Um, you know, the, the, I think the the thing that I like, and if I was commissioner, I would probably be more uh, like Manfred in this way. He hasn't been afraid to make some changes. I mean, for the longest time, baseball for a hundred years, they, it moved at a glacial pace when it came to, uh, changes like the NFL. Hey, they're not afraid every couple of years, tweak the rules. NBA, put a three point line. It's too close. Let's move it back. No big deal. But for the longest time, baseball was just change resistant. And I kind of like the fact that now we're not afraid to, to tinker and, and try to find the right, uh, the right changes. And so that you're never going to make everybody happy, but if you can make the majority happy and uh, keep the game moving forward, then I'm all for it. Matt, great stuff, man. Can't wait to hear you more throughout the season. We're excited for baseball to be back. Enjoy that Bezos jet. <laughs> I'll be in the back. Thanks. <laughs> that's, well, that's the best place to be in the Bezos jet. Uh, Matt Underwood there on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Steven Vote coming up in 32 minutes here at 4 o'clock. Uh, Guardians manager. i uh, excited to pick his brain on some of this stuff. You know, I, I don't think people understood the domino effect of last year in exactly why last year, because they were still getting quality starts from the young pitchers like Bybee and, and all these guys. So so it was like, well, but your pitching's still good. Your starting pitching's still good. Well, one, you weren't pitching the same amount of innings right? because you had young guys on inning caps. So that started to eat at your bullpen. Also, it took two months to stabilize the rotation. You factor in the lack of hitting – and the fact that the hitters were clearly pressing early in that season and that kind of ate at the bullpen, and then there became this kind of Ouroboros effect of you weren't hitting enough, you weren't uh, your starting pitching was really good, but you still weren't getting the kind of innings you're used to for the way your bullpen was built, and then your bullpen just never caught its breath. And so I just I don't think people realize how like perfect of a storm that was. Two years ago it was a perfect storm. You hit enough, timely hitting, without power. You're a contact team, but you had flawless pitching both at your rotation and the bullpen. This last year was the opposite of that. So I expect something in between. And to what Matt said, if you, if all five of your starters can stay healthy, if Bieber and McKenzie can then give way to Bybee and the other two young studs, there's, I mean, you could not, not just compete in this division you could make a deep playoff run based on those five pitchers and a good bullpen. And I think people have forgotten about that. And I don't know that's going to happen. You can't forecast health. 
But I, I mean, I think I think I think Bieber and McKenzie, their health and being able to just uh, just take it easy on those young arms so they would be crisp for October, I think will be huge in this team's ability to stay healthy. And that's before we get to the idea of whether you're going to be too good or not to trade Shane Bieber right. halfway through the season. Yeah, and obviously, I just don't want to even entertain that conversation right now because I'm hoping that Shane Bieber does return to form and they're in contention at the trade deadline and they are buyers and not sellers at the you know and say hey let's let's ride this thing out uh with Shane and, and see how far we can get with what I call the three-headed monster in Bieber, McKenzie and Bybee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bybee was to me he was such a pleasant surprise last season. I I you know when they bring these guys up from Columbus you you're not really sure what to expect. Yeah, you know what the scouting reports say. You obviously know how the organization feels about him and stuff like that. But Bybee was a lot of fun to watch well, last year. What was the story that they were the Guardians front office was hiding uh, Bybee at uh, in spring training because they didn't want Tito to see him yeah. and get him like jazzed up about using him early in the season? Yeah. And it ended up being all a, kind of a, a moot point because yeah. everybody they had heard. Yeah, they had to. But and- I so I, I think I do think like underrated storyline health of the pitching staff. Right. Here's one more. Well, I don't and, know that that's an underrated storyline. I think well, that's no, no. a primary storyline. When I say underrated, I okay. mean I don't think I don't think people realize the cause and effect. It right. was just well the offense sucked. That is only part of why last year went as poorly as it went. But I do think to speak to the lineup. Another thing that I think we didn't talk enough about was how average Stephen Kwan was last year and how how bad Andres Jimenez were. And if even with as bad as your like five through nine were at points last year, if you just have the top three guys in your lineup doing what they did the year before, that that extra ten percent goes a long way. And it's funny, like, you know, I I tried to talk about Stephen Kwan last year, and there's this weird I don't even know what to call it. There's this weird disconnect in baseball where you can't just assess how a player you love. Like, I love Stephen Kwan. I love the way he plays baseball. I love the fact that he's one of the best contact hitters in baseball. His batting average was down 20 points from the year before. His OPS was down 30 uh, points. And his home runs were down. His strikeouts were up. He still walked, but, like, he still was selective but there were a lot more bad at bats last year than this year. You want to go to bigger stats. His WRC plus went from 126 to 100. 100 is average. Yeah. And if you're going, if you don't have a lot of power, you have to be the guy he was two years ago. And so, like that, to me, is a huge storyline. And because the Guardians, and and I kudos to the Guardians. They they did not deviate from Quan being atop the lineup because I think they want they they wanted to give him every chance. But this idea that he's just gifted and he's just nope, nope, he's going to be there the whole time. Yeah, guys, he has to because he doesn't have power. He has to be the guy that is hitting 300. He has to be the guy that's hitting 290. If we use antiquated stats, like that's where and he if he's only going to hit a lot, it takes well, a lot of pitches, well, works and, the count, and the strikeouts have to be down. I think last year I, I can't remember if it was I think he had five more strikeouts than walks. So even though he walked a lot, which was a 180 from his rookie year, yes. because I mean he had that incredible on base streak. So like I just think as a rookie, I think I think Jimenez and and Quan at the top of the lineup are huge, huge impacts to how the rest of this lineup falls out. 
And and the good news is, I think they're both a lot better than they played last year. And I think a lot of last year was the pressure of expectations. And I think it's really hard. Daryl, you can speak to this. When you get um when you get 80 games into a season and you've been pressing, it's really hard to hit reverse thrusters on that. Because because then all of a sudden your team is struggling as well. Look at Cam Gallagher last year, right? I mean, the, the catching situation early in the season was a disaster, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Zanino. And it just, it was a mess. And then they had no choice. They didn't want to make the move. Like they were putting it off, but the, it, it just, it, it got so bad they had to bring up Bo Naylor. Real quick here, we're going to go with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nick and Daryl. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, great conversation with Matt. What I tell you, man, you uh, asked a lot of questions. He got to a lot of scenarios in which he felt that um, he needed to address. And one thing in particular, Daryl, and again, man, it's a breath of fresh air hearing you talk all Cleveland sports, man. Saw you in action with the Browns at the Joe Thomas induction ceremony. Just you, your your work of art uh, when you interview people. But now you're talking about all the all the sports teams, which I like. Uh, you asked the question, you know, the integrity of the game still being, you know, held at the same time what can pe- people's interest in this new era of, uh, you know, just, just instant gratification. Again, we have a sport, obviously, MLB, that is, is marathon-esque and, um, longevity and again a lot of us peaks are interest with home runs strikeouts stolen base etc and the time of the game um i'm going to seen a lot of baseball this march i'll be down here in uh, florida so i'll be seeing pretty much 15 teams looking forward to it no indians here in winter haven anymore than good year but just in particular i just feel that you know me as an avid sports fan especially cleveland fan i want to really want to watch baseball still it's just that just like a lot of other individuals the uh something is lacking interest um, it's just, it's not golf, but at the same time, it's definitely not football or basketball. So, so again, real, Darryl, and again, you real quick on that. Cause I actually, yeah. I, I think there's been something I've been talking about a lot and it, and I, I've actually made the corollary to college football. And I thank you for the call, Ryan. I think some, I think people are getting the transfer portal all wrong. It is chaos, but every time you have Will Howard or Cam Ward or Caleb Williams going to the portal, I think that's generating national conversation when elite players go into the portal 
I think it's starting to develop actual conversation. And yeah, I think it's the, for college football free agency. But I think the opposite's happening in baseball. I, I think the problem with baseball is a gigantic player movement issue. Because when only when when a, when when siloed down to the bottom are eight teams that can afford free agents, five teams that maybe can afford great free agents, and three teams can afford elite free agents, that's problematic. And here's the thing: it's not seven hundred million dollars, although that ain't great, Bob. It's the thirteen-year deals that these teams can't that are just inconceivable to the Cleveland Guardians. And by the way, they're not good for baseball. Yeah, the, the like, Guardians. I mean, a, a five-year contract for the Guardians is a risk. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a tremendous risk. And by the way, it's even a- at market value, like like let's just say for the sake of discussion, right? That they they could get a they can afford to pay one tier one free agent, right? In mm-hmm. addition to what they already have with Jose Ramirez and whatever, right? And let let's say that that comes out to twenty million dollars a year. That just for sake of discussion, I'm mm-hmm. not saying these are actual numbers, but just throwing it out there, right? If they sign a five year one hundred million dollar contract, right, and that player gets hurt. And you know, isn't doesn't end up being what they paid the twenty million dollars a year for, right? Mm-hmm. They're done. Yeah, they 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 can't overcome that. And I'm not criticizing. That's the system in baseball well, that's so broken. I'll do you one better. How about the Yankees? Carlos Rodon's six year, hundred and fifty million dollar contract crippled them last year alongside the Geo Stanton deal. Well, I'm sorry. I can't say anything cripples the New York well, no, Yankees. No, 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 but they, it does. It, it, like, it, in it terms cri- of... By choice, like, they, they can spend infinite amounts of money. Well, here's... They just make the, they make the choice that they don't want to spend the infinite amounts I, of money anymore. I'm not anymore. saying they can't win. What I'm saying is it cripples them in terms of moves they can make. Because if you can afford four or five $200, $300 million contracts and four of them are locked up, right. half okay. of them aren't playing, the the trickle down is that's going to change who you can trade for and who you can sign. Okay, fair. And so if if, if it's impacting a big market team, I think, the, I think the Mets fell into that hard this year. I think the Red Sox. And again, some of this is reticence to spend and go into the tax. I mean, the, the, like, the, the Padres are a small market team. They'd act like they're a big market team with and, some of the contracts that they hand and out. they got and, neutered this offseason, too. Right, and they, and they have nothing to show for it. Like, th- this is when people want to complain about the money that's spent by the Guardians. Okay, spending money doesn't make you a good organization, yes. number one. Spending money doesn't guarantee that you're going to win, number two. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, it helps. It increases your odds, but that's that's kind of about it. And but you know, you need your small market teams to have star power. You want to have like Jose Ramirez is a reason to go buy yes. a Guardian stick and go to the ballpark, right? You need that in baseball, and I think that that's where they get it wrong. They think that you know by having the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, yes. all these big market teams. You know, go on these billion-dollar free agent bonanzas in the offseason and buy up all the good players, that that's great for the game. It's horrible but for the real, game. I do want to, before, because I, I want to land the plane on this. When you, it's when it's no longer just the small and mid-market teams that are being bottlenecked by these by the inability to, to have a certain amount of contracts. So now they can only make certain kind of trades. Now a fair amount of big-market teams can only make a certain amount of trade. Now you have a standstill, and that's what happened this offseason. Yes, it was caused by TV money, but guys, like the Yankees couldn't make certain deals because their ownership felt bottlenecked with some of those contracts, and I think that's where we are. And guys, it's going to get uglier. And I think I think player movement drives leagues. 
I think it's why you see the popularity of the NBA. I do think the NFL free agency is huge. And baseball, because of very smart people who don't value the hot stove, they choked off the hot stove. Now baseball economics are choking it off even more there. I think I know a, a role that exists that, that doesn't yet exist in the world that I think can help us from becoming the uh, plot determinator. Do tell. Because we, we already have Skynet. That is true. I I think we need people, and I'm volunteering for an exorbitant amount of money, that come in and go, is that idea really needed or is that really idea good? And then provide examples of how poorly things can go. And I give you... I'm pretty good at doing that. Um, I think I'm better. Plus, I want to make more money. I just, you know, I just want to be the guy that walks in and goes, knock that off. Like the dad of society. It looks like you're eating well these days in comparison to me. Um, that's always been the case. <laughs> yeah. Just because I have a, a refined palate for ho-hos doesn't mean you got to go ahead and take shots at me over there. But um, the NBA unveiled the NBAI, NBAI, which will allow fans to activ- activate movie mode and watch live games animated like popular films. Let Can I just be the guy? Perverts are going to ruin this one for the rest of us, guys. <laughs> All, right? All right? It's going to take one guy talking about a Bella Danger in his NBA game for things to go real sideways real quick. And guys, we don't need that. All right? I'm just saying. You think, oh, maybe this will be cool. And then you're not. And then you're divorced. And then you're homeless. Now, I digress. Uh, the example was NBA. Why is it so hard to say? NBAI. NBAI. No, that's not how it is. No. <laughs> NBAI. <laughs> See? No, but it's NBAI. NBAI. You sound like C3PO. I know, and this is just ridiculous. It is NBAI. The, 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 whole, the whole concept here is ridiculous. But it's at, So the example is NBAI. Show me the Pacers game as if it were a Spider-Man movie. I So the... the and you guys can see the... Show the, me a Lakers game as Showgirls. Um... I kind of would watch that, yeah. LeBron is Elizabeth Berkeley. No? Anybody? She had a peak, guys. She had a three-year window, and God bless her. And De- Demi Moore had like a 10-year window. God bless her as well. Actually, no, that that's still – she's still wonderful. Yeah, that's a 30-year run, Demi Moore. And you know what? You too, Elizabeth Berkeley. I don't know why I'm doing this. Anyways, you guys can go check. At Nick Wilson says, the rendering of what it looks like – Man, I think we might have reached my point in sports where I'm a little get off my lawn on this. Uh, let's just put it this way. I was in a certain technology store. Is uh, that the, the back other of day. the store where nope, they got the nope, curtains? No, 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 hang on. And got to prove you're 21? They, they have a new uh, virtual reality device. Uh-huh. Where's just this going? I'm just wondering why we've gotten to the point in life where this is a thing. So I do think the idea of like, and some of the, like the, the AI technology or so, sorry, some of the VR technology has been like, you can, it's like you're sitting courtside at the game. Like, are they going to give us a list of movies to choose from? Like, are we going to get to see Cavs, Warriors, Goodfellas style? Oh, now you're, no, but I want the Goodfellas montage. As far <laughs> as I can remember, the Cavs have not won without or LeBron James. Are, are we going to get Jazz and Lakers with the monologue from Basketball? Well, wouldn't it have to wouldn't it have to kind of fit the town, like um, like for instance the the New Orleans Pelicans, True Detective season one, or the Pelican Brief. Right? 
that just has the word pelican in it. It has nothing to do with okay, I understand what you're saying. I'm not going to be negative about it. But no, I I I who's asking for this? And what purpose at some point we do have to start asking Who's asking for the virtual goggles where like you're standing in the middle of a room? This is this is what I observed at this technology store. And I'm sure people can probably put two and two together real fast of what store I'm specifically mentioning. But mm-hmm. you're literally standing and they're doing the demo. Is, does it end in for lovers? No. And he, they got the goggles on. They're doing the demo thing, and you're just like, "The hell are you doing over there?" Well, yeah, because you look stupid. If right. you If to somebody who isn't wearing those goggles, I think the point is eventually we're all gonna be wearing the goggles. Yeah, speak for yourself. I'm not. I'm gonna tell you right now. You're gonna go for that store that ends in for lovers. You're gonna see the virtual technology, and you are gonna be <laughs> on your way to Space Station Pound Town in about five seconds. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the thing you say you, today, you, and two years you, from now, when you are anore- when you are just when you are when you have like one percent body fat, and we've got to sp- like give sounds you like, like you've already taken it for a spin there, Nick. Yeah, well, because clearly my uh, my my metabolism is is showing that. No, no. When, when gotta we, work it off, when, huh? When we've got to go ahead and spoon feed you because you can't eat because you're too lost in the game, we'll remember. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.